Let's open God's word together. Can we do that uh, this morning? Turn in your Bibles or on your phones to our Old Testament scripture, if you um, if you would. It comes from Isaiah chapter 60. Thank you. If you turn that down just a hair for me, I appreciate that, Jason. Isaiah chapter 60. Today we're um, thinking about Christ the light and uh I have to, I have to, um, confess that I'm like a kid in a candy store. There are myriad passages that, that reference Christ as light. We'll explore that in just a moment. But one of them came 700 years before Jesus Christ when the prophet Isaiah was given insight about the Messiah who was to come. And it's words both describing uh, the the uh, life of the Messiah, in particular his purpose, but also describing the life and purpose of all those who would follow this Messiah. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. We can relate, can't we? But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The very word of God. Thanks be to God. Now turn over, would you, to our um, to our passage in the Gospel of John, chapter one. If you're just joining us online today or here in the sanctuary, we've been this Christmas season, we've been this Advent season, we have been working our way through the prologue of John's Gospel, and we've seen that it's just this incredible statement of the nature and character of the Messiah. We've learned incredible truths about him. But we're picking it up again. Many of you have been memorizing this. We're picking it up from John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And and today we are going to go uh, all the way to verse 9. Uh, those of you who are memorizing, uh, we had a big week, didn't we? And we will have a big week. That's a big chunk. Um, but I wanted to just encourage you. It is a narrative chunk and and it's relatively easy to memorize. I want to just encourage you, if you're hiding God's word in your heart, to continue to do that. By the end of this week, we will have memorized John 1, 1, all the way through verse 9. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, And without him was not anything made that was made. And last week's verse, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. Let me press pause for a second. It's confusing because there's a lot of Johns in the scripture. So John the Apostle, we believe, is the one uh, writing down these words, but he's speaking now of another John, John the Baptist, who it was a cousin of Jesus, 
and who was set apart to be the forerunner of the Messiah. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Look at this. That all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Again, the very word of God. Now, thank you. Thank you, God. I, I'm so grateful, uh, God, that you entrust so many things to us. You entrust your word to us. And we have committed, God, we're hiding it in our hearts so that your Holy Spirit can draw it out at any time when we need it. Your Holy Spirit can remind us of the things that you have said. But God, we also ask that you would open our hearts today to receive that word, that we might not be the same people when we leave today because we have encountered it, and through your word we have encountered you. God, as always, I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and intentions of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, wow, we've been picking up so many pieces, learning more and more about this Christ. We learned that he was in the very beginning with God. We learned that he was separate from God, that laying a foundation for these deep theological truths about the nature of God, that he lives in three persons. But we saw also that while he was with God, he was also God, leaving no doubt that this Christ who has come was completely divine and yet at the same time completely human. Then we were astounded to learn that, that he was the creator. Because he was God, he was the creator, the uncreated one who brought everything that is in existence into existence. And, and John is very careful here. Part of it is just Hebrew poetry. In Hebrew poetry, you always repeat the things that you want to emphasize. And so he repeated that the word was God. He repeated that he was creator. And then last week we saw this amazing truth that in him was life, right? In him was life. And we followed the story of a Christ follower, a secret Christ follower, Nicodemus. Do you remember that? How Nicodemus sought out life. And in John chapter 3, how, how, how Jesus lovingly revealed to him this powerful truth that, that not only do we need to be born physically, but we also need to be born spiritually. That there is an aspect of our lives that is not alive. And, and must come alive in order for us to be able to relate to God. And I was thinking about that. I think it, I started thinking about it when I saw that silly commercial, um, must be a Geico commercial about the guy who drives off with the goldfish on his roof of his car. Have you seen that one? Right? And he gets out and he's looking at his phone and all of a sudden you see the awareness come over him. What about the goldfish? Right? And he turns around and looks back and, and I think because he's a safe Geico driver, he didn't knock the goldfish off the car. He picks it up and carries it, right? But I started thinking about that goldfish, right? Does that goldfish know that it's alive, right? The goldfish um, just assumes that it is, right? 
I mean, when you went to bed last night, did you, did you, did you think, remember how we used to pray, now I lay me down. That was a terrible prayer, wasn't it? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, have a nice night, honey, right? If I die before I wake, right? I pray the Lord my, my soul to take. But the reality is, is that most of us don't worry when we close our eyes about waking up the next morning, right? Because we're surrounded by physical life. We don't even note it anymore. And, and, and we never realize that there's an aspect of our life that we've never experienced. Now, I can say this with boldness because there is an aspect. I know Jesus. I know that I'm going to live forever, right? But there's an aspect of life that I have no clue about, right? And I'm like, John, I'm just going to hit the deck when I encounter it. Because um, it, is, it is more vast, more beautiful, more glorious than I could ever imagine. But But I think... John is so intent on giving us this word here today because he knows that there are people right now who are physically alive and yet not experiencing the joy of spiritual life. So last week, we just camped on that. We followed Nicodemus, and now Jesus said expressly, this is the way that you gain life. Right? John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. What I love about God is that, um, well, he, I, mean, he, I don't know why I'm going to use the word condescends, but he chooses to make himself known in ways that we can understand. I shared with you last week some wonderful saints who condescended to help me understand uh, deeper things about God. But, but I love it that God wants us to know him. And so he reveals himself in many ways. So in John 1, verse 4, he says, In him was life. And I, I think that you understand that. But in case you don't, I'm going to use another metaphor, right? And that life, Jesus, was the light of man. He introduces us to a, another very easily understood metaphor, right? Um, the metaphor of light and darkness. Now, I've been accused of, of being overly simplistic before, but I love it that, um, that life is more simple than we understand, right? There is truth and there is falsehood. There is light and there is darkness. There is love, and this is just, there is apathy, right? Apathy. And so, as if God is cajoling us, know me, come know these simple truths, right? And he gives us one that we can, that, that we can relate to, right? Light and darkness, which one of us, right, has not been afraid of the dark some point in our life, right? We get together every Tuesday with my extended um, nuclear family, my sisters and brothers, my mom and dad, and our, our children. Uh, we can all get online. And I think I share with you that, that we were sharing some of the things that we remember from our past. And so when it was my sister Virginia's turn, she shared that story that I've shared with you about how the first night that I was um, to uh, sleep in the family room. My dad was remote, so it was just my mom and four kids. 
And my sister was tired of me. She made that very clear online a couple weeks ago. She was tired of uh, sleeping with me, so she talked mom into putting me in the family room on the other side of the house. And uh, and so here you have this big family room and a bed, right? And uh, and that was my bed. And and I'm trying to think how old I was. I was nine, and uh, and I courageously made my way to the family room. Um, there was something going on inside of me, but I was beating it down. I was beating it down. And uh, I crawled into bed, and all the lights went off. And uh, I sat there, and I thought, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. And then, I kid you not, a hand came from under the bed, reached out, and grabbed me. This was not my imagination. This was Virginia. And I have not forgiven her ever since, right? Um, I'm not going to say what happened to me physically at that moment, but it was not pretty, okay? It was not pretty. Clean up on aisle three, right? Um, I think there's something deep in us that fears darkness, and, and God understands that. God understands that and speaks directly into that. So I want to invite you just from, I apologize, we're going to be jumping around a little bit today because God speaks about light and darkness in so many places. If you're able, I invite you to flip with me to these different places, but um, on your phone or in your Bible. But if not, I'll try and summarize enough of each passage so that you can get the impact of it. But the question that I want to ask is, what do we, what do we know about darkness, right? What do we know about this darkness that Jesus speaks of, right? First of all, darkness is simply the absence of light, right? It's not like um, Star Wars where there is the dark side of the force and the, and the other side, you know. Um, darkness is simply the absence of light. What did I do after my sister scared me half to death? I ran to the light switch and turned on the light, right? Still didn't know what that hand was, but... But um, when I learned, all of a sudden, I was still shaking with fear. But the source of the fear went away. And I pounded her into submission, as I recall. Right? Um, darkness is simply the absence of light. There's not a war going on between the two. When you bring light into a situation, it changes the nature of the situation. I was thinking about this, and you can always beat an analogy to death, but I was thinking about shadows, right? Sometimes there's light, and something's blocking the light, and so you can still see, but you're seeing as if shadows. You don't have Photoshop. You can't press that button and take all the dark, the shadows away, right? Um, but the simplest truth is when you shine light onto something, it takes away the power. And, and that's why Jesus wants us so much to know where this source of light is. Because if we can bring that source of light into it, then it will change the nature of it. I'm, I'm thinking of something else. Just last, I think it was last week. Uh, it was late. Um, it wasn't late. It was like 5 o'clock, but it was pitch dark outside. And I needed to run down to underneath us here in the sanctuary. There is a um, storage room that has a lot of my books. And so I... Um, I thought, well, I'm not going to turn on all these lights, right? And I, um, I, I found my way, um, pretty easy to do, found my way, found the right key, got into the room, got the book I needed, and was walking back. And have you ever just gotten that creepy feeling? <laughs> Some of you just got it when I said that, right? Went right down your spine. I got that creepy feeling. 
And I think it's from too many horror movies. But um, I was going to go back to the third floor where my office is. And I'm in the basement. And I think, there's no way on God's green earth I'm going to walk through this whole building to get to the office. So I, I strolled a little faster to the elevator. Right, and start jamming on the elevator button, right? I have this creepy feeling running down my back. And, and, and when the door opened, the automatic light in the elevator came on. And I, and I jumped into the elevator and then I turned around. And uh, you ever see those movies where right as the elevator door is closing, a hand reaches in, right? Virginia, that's, that's on you, girl, right? Right, right at the, as the, I'm, I'm waiting for that hand to come in, right? And, and it doesn't. And I, I breathe this. I mean, I'm, I am 62 years old. Like, like, as Marvin and, and Home Alone, um, I say I'm not afraid of the dark, but, um, I still find myself in those situations. When the elevator light came on, the fear went away. Um, darkness is simply the absence of life. And one of the thing, one of the aspects of darkness is that it makes it difficult to see. It makes it difficult to see. Do you remember I shared with you, um, one night I was driving, um, near Columbus, Indiana, and, and, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a downpour, and, and, uh, I got in the car, and I was driving home on a two-lane road with oncoming traffic, and, and, and I, I just was in a world of hurt. I could not see to save my life, right? And I turned the windshield wipers on faster, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't solve the problem, and and then I noticed that that um, that the cars coming toward me are, are flashing their lights at me, right? And and I'm thinking, oh, no, no, great, there's some problem in the road, and they're trying to warn me, and and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stumble on it because I can't see, and then I realized that they were flashing their lights at me because I was driving in a rainstorm at night with no lights on on my car, and this amazing thing happened where I just turned the lights on. All of a sudden, I could see again. Darkness makes it difficult to see. And I think that that's where some of the fear comes from, right? But scripture says that darkness also is the realm of evil. John chapter 3. Remember last week we were working with John three sixteen and 17. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the verse that we never remember, but John 3.17 as well. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Two verses later, John 3.19, the word says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world but people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Their works were evil. Why is it that some people love the darkness? Because we don't want our evil deeds to be seen, right? Darkness is the realm of evil. And there is a spiritual darkness, a spiritual darkness now, that is the result of sin. When we sin, our fellowship, not our eternity, but our fellowship with the light is broken, right? And and the light is taken from our lives. I'm not trying to cast a thing about eternity. Again, 
Our eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. But when we sin, we remove ourselves from the light and move into the shadows, right? Uh, the next verse, John 3.20, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed, right? So darkness is the realm of evil, and there is a spiritual darkness that that is the consequence of our sin. And the result of it is that darkness is often accompanied by anxiety and fear. Do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you are afraid or if you're anxious, you live in darkness. But I'm saying that anxiety and fear are the result of darkness in many of our lives, right? So, so darkness, we understand. We have been there. We, many of us are there right now. So let's flip it though. Say, what do we learn about the light from these passages, right? What do we learn about light? First of all, God is light, right? God is light. Do you remember that darkness was covering the earth and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters? Genesis 1-1, which is a direct relationship with John 1-1, right? And, and, and God said, let there be light. He spoke he logos, logos, right? He spoke the word, and there was light. John would put it the same. John, in a letter to some friends, would say, "This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all." So we're starting to see hope here, aren't we? We're starting to see that there is a solution to darkness: the darkness within us and the darkness around us. God is light, and again. From our scripture in Isaiah 60. So arise, he says, right? Shine, for your light has come. God has made himself known. God has become flesh and dwelled among us, right? And and uh, God through Isaiah continues, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, right? Thick darkness, all the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you. His glory will be seen by you and nations will come to your light. Wow. Wow. God is light and he's the solution to darkness. But it's so interesting, isn't it? There's a festival of lights in Jewish tradition and all uh, Jewish males were required to come from all over the earth, wherever they were, to celebrate this festival, and one of the one of the aspects of the festival was that um, it would be a light show. They, to the best of their ability, they would light every candle. They would light everything they could. Um, I love so much even the Advent candles looking so beautiful right there. Right, it's kind of a, a light show, and and so um, the the whole faith community gathered together and rejoiced in the light, much like we will do on Christmas Eve with our candlelight service. And and in the midst of that, Jesus spoke, right? If you follow in John, Jesus always made sure, well, he had to because he wanted to follow the law. He always made sure that he was in Jerusalem at the festivals. But at this festival, recorded for us in John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am 
the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. So not only is God the light, but since Jesus is God, Jesus is the light of the world as well. John uh, chapter 1 reflects this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, here's our word from Revelation, overcome it, right? The actual word here is the word grasp. Darkness cannot grasp the light. That that intimates that darkness cannot understand the light. That's true. But but it also intimates that that the darkness has no power over the light. You find yourself anxious and fearful of the future. You find yourself in fear in the dark now. Darkness has no power over you, beloved. When Christ, your light, shines within you. So there's a logical assumption here. If God is light and Jesus is the light of the world, then we must choose to walk in that light. Whoever would follow me, he said, right? So we must we must respond in some way to these truths. Um, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, John 8, 12, but will have the light of life. He continues again in that in that letter, 1 John 1. If we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, watch out, here it comes. We lie and do not practice the truth. We have to choose to walk in light of that. Oh, more bad movies are coming to my mind. But one of my favorites, I'm not going to name the name because you'll hate me forever. Frau Blucher is walking up the stairs and some of you didn't nay when I said Frau Blucher. Uh, and, and she says very carefully to um, the lead character in the, in the movie, stay close to the candles for the stairway is very treacherous, right? And, and the, of course the joke is that the candles aren't lit. The candles aren't lit. We have to choose to stay in the light, to walk with the one who is light, right? Now there's incredible benefits if we choose to do that, he says. And, and, and we're going to hit on some very familiar passages, passages that we recite almost every time that we share communion together. But, but one of those is that we have genuine fellowship with God and with one another. Again, 1 John 1, 7 now. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have, and, and the word is koinonia, it does not mean potluck. It, it, the word is spirit fellowship. Our spirits recognize each other and we realize that we are one, right? We have spirit fellowship with God, most importantly, but also with one another. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there are very few things on earth as sweet as having spirit fellowship with one another. 
And it's not because of any righteousness of our own. It's not because we've got this all wired and, and we no longer sin. Every single one of us continues to sin. Every single one of us is broken. But we found a solution to the darkness. We found the light of the world and we've chosen to the best of our ability to walk in that light. And when you find other people coming out of the darkness, to walk in the light with you, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful Beautiful thing. So, so we must choose to walk in the light. There are incredible benefits, fellowship with God and with one another. But then here's the beauty of it. And this is right out of that same verse. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus, and remember that in, in scriptures, blood is life, right? You have no blood, you have no life. The, the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sin. How can we boldly say, I, I am walking in the light, not by anything of my own power, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. Because of what Jesus has done. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God and with one another and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. In other words, the darkness within us is removed. The darkness within us is removed. In just a few nights, we're going to light candles. Just that symbol. Yes, there's darkness around us. But we have the light of life. So what do you do when you are overwhelmed by darkness, right? You come to the light. You come to the light. But whoever does what is true, now in that conversation with Nicodemus, whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Come to the light. Bob, I was remembering again our little adventure in the tunnel, right? Was it two miles? Do I remember? Was it two miles long? Perfectly straight tunnel, two miles long, with one pinpoint two miles away of light. But boy, howdy, we were motivated. We were on bicycles in a dark train tunnel, and we were motivated to come to the light. What do you do when you're overwhelmed by darkness? Come to the light. And if that darkness is within you, if you find yourself overwhelmed by your own sin or the sins of others, then then that beautiful, light-giving truth John gives us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from, help me, all unrighteousness. In other words, you have everything you need in Christ to move from darkness to light. You have everything you need. But when when you're overwhelmed by darkness, you not only come to the light, you bring everything and every one you can to that light as well. How do you do that? 
Well, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, right? And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light, right? To bear witness about the light. Why? That all might believe through him. So not only do you come to the light, you walk in the light, you receive that light, but you also invite everyone you know to come and see. One of the first disciples of Jesus was a disciple of John the Baptist, Andrew. And uh, and, and John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? And and Andrew began to follow Jesus. But the first thing that Andrew did then was to go find another guy, brother. And this, this guy was way past the line of redemption, right? This was the guy that all of us would say, this is the last person in the world that will come out of darkness. Andrew went to Simon, who we know of as Peter, his brother, and said, you have got to come meet this guy. And the scripture says Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Oh, I can't think of a better time to walk in the light, right? To choose to come out of darkness. To recognize that the light of the world has come into the world and invited us to walk in that light. But I can't think of a better time to and I've got the same list you've got. I've got people that I kind of in my mind have said, that person will never, ever come to Jesus. Not worth the effort, right? I'm sorry, just being real. And those are the ones that Jesus loves. Those are the ones that maybe you are the only one who will be able to bear witness about the light. So in what, five nights from now, when you light that candle, recognize that you are that light. The very same Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. Come on up, worship team. The very same Jesus who said, I am the light of the world, then said, you are the light of the world. And wherever you go, you take the light of Christ with you. You take the light of Christ with you. Pray with me, would you? Oh God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that that though we have often chosen darkness, there is no darkness too great for the light of Christ to, to chase away. There is no darkness in us or around us which you are not greater than. So we just invite you this Christmas Eve, shine in us, Jesus. We confess that we are broken, that we have in many ways chosen darknesses, but we believe in our heart that you are greater than our sin. We believe in our heart that that light is greater than darkness, and we receive that grace and forgiveness in Jesus' name. But we also... God, we invite you to move powerfully in us as we share and testify like John the Baptist about one who is much greater than us. This is not about us. God, it's about Jesus. We pray that somehow you might use us this season, this Christmas 
season to bring the light of Christ to others. And God, we will give you the praise and we will give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.